This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Sansons in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. If you get your Bibles with you, Genesis 32. I've kind of, if you want a title this morning, it might be a bit a strange title. It's called The Humpty Dumpty Factor. <laughs> and you kind of see what I mean as we kind of go on in this. Uh, Genesis 32. And I'm going to read, I suppose, a portion of Scripture. Then I'm going to kind of take a long time before I actually get there to to share with you some of the thoughts about that. But Genesis 32 and and verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For he said, "I I have seen God face to face. And my, lo- my life is preserved. I think it was a, quite a few years ago, a few years ago in Wales, there was a, there was a lady who used to kind of visit us, and she was from Canada, but had a, quite an unusual prophetic ministry, that's the best way to describe it. And I remember once she, she felt she had this word, and this was the word. It's often when you kind of, if you ever see people with a prophetic, they kind of tend to do kind of things that sometimes seem a little bit kind of strange, if you like. And suddenly she gives this, she actually tells a nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat in a war. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, was it, couldn't put Humpty together again. And at this time, I'm thinking, you know, I'm sort of kind of wondering what on earth is going to happen after this. And she just shares actually from that. By the way, it's good to see Polly. I just noticed you there. Good to see you, Polly. We welcome you again. It's lovely to see you. So our prayers go with you. I have to say that. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, yeah, so... Anyway, this, this nursery rhyme's given, and I think, what on earth is she going to come out with? And she begins to tell a story, and she begins to give this word I thought was so powerful. And she begins to say that there are many of you here, that, in a sense, and she begins to give this prophetic word, that people, people who've had a great fall, some situation, some circumstance, something's hit their lives. And although they've kind of gone back to sort of a kind of Christian type of living, they've never really recovered from that fall. They've never come back to, to the kind of life or the, the kind of potential, the, to the kind of person they were before. Have you known that? People have had this, something happen, and suddenly, although they kind of go back through the motions, they're never really to the point they were before. Do you know what I'm talking about? Never really had that fire, never really had that zeal they once had, never really had that passion once had. Something has been lost, and they've never kind of regained it. And she began to share that that's God's desire, that even though you've had a great fall, only God, if you like, can 
put you back together again. Trying to perform it, can't do it. But God's grace, and she begins to talk about this, that God's grace can put us fully back together again. Isn't that awesome? This picture that God takes all the broken pieces somehow and kind of puts us back together. And he doesn't just put us back even to what we were before. We become better than what we were before. We become stronger than we were before. We become more on fire than what we were before. We become more passionate than what we were before. That's always God's original intention. And I think this is a story of a man, and we're looking at Jacob, who actually was like that in life. He had a great fall. And the story really is how God kind of puts this man back together. I just want us to think of the beginning of, of Jacob's life. You know, when Hebrew parents named children, they didn't just think of, a, you know, some name. They actually named their children often by something that happened and often something of the character they desired would develop in that child. For example, Judah means praise. Because the mother praised God for, for Judah, for, for the birth of Judah. Esau, we'll like a moment, actually it's an interesting name. His name means red and hairy. How do you like that name? It means red and hairy, that's what the name Esau means. Jacob, we're told that when he, he came forth, he grabbed the heel of Esau, saying, I am supposed to be first. And so his name actually means a supplanter, one who tries to take first place. That's what Jacob means. A person who is a supplanter, one who wants preeminence, one who wants first place. And often when these names were given in 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 an amazing sort of way, often prophetically, their character often became what their names defined and so that prophetically their names kind of lived out and their character was defined often, often by their name. You see that time and time again through the Bible. And so we see these two grown up, Esau and Jacob. It's interesting, the story really is all about blessing. When you really come down to it, it's really down on one focus, all about the blessing and a desire for the blessing. And we'll cover that in a moment. So here we are, we have Esau, his name means red and hairy. And he kind of lived up to that because he was like a hunter. He loved to hunt. He was like a Ram- he's like the Rambo character of the Bible. He's like the Rambo guy, you know, the real tough hunter. And, that. and you see his character come out in that. And, and so Esau, Esau became a, 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 a hunter, a warrior, if you like. Where Jacob, remember he, his name means supplanter, he developed a character really... One in preeminence and often became a bit of a, should we say, someone that was a bit of a, a deceiver. As the story plays out, there's an instance in the story where, where Esau has gone hunting and he's, he's hungry. Now, I think Jacob was a bit of a mummy's boy. He'd spend time, you know, looking at his Jamie Oliver cookbooks and, you know, developing his cooking skills. And so he developed this amazing lentil stew. How many know lentils are good for you? So he developed this lentil stew, basically, uh, which, by all accounts, Esau seemed, seemed to love. And he says, oh, give me some soup. Cook me a meal. And he says, I'll do it for you if you give to me your blessing. And the Bible actually says that he gave 
Jacob his blessing. And the Bible actually says about, in Hebrews, he talks about Esau, he despised the blessing. He despised it. He never realized the powerful significance of the blessing. So in a sense, he said, okay, what's it to me? And he gave it to Jacob. Now, a blessing really is the Father's, it's the father's blessing. It, 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 it's that which is going to pull you over in life. It's the inheritance of the Father. And so he just kind of gives it, if you like, to Jacob. But something took place. Something was transferred, which he may not have been aware of in the, in the spiritual realm. And then years later, you may remember, the father Isaac was ill. point of dying and so him and the mother conspired a plan to get the father's blessing and so he kind of dresses up he puts something different puts animal fur on his arms and makes himself smell if you like like Esau because the father's eyesight's gone if you remember and he often says this he says he has the voice of Jacob but the smell of Esau and I think it's a beautiful picture, spiritually speaking, about Jesus, in a sense. That often when we come before God, we can still have our own voice, the old things of our past. But here's the amazing thing. Because of Jesus, we inherit our, our brother's elder blessing. That's what Galatians 3 is all about. That we come into the blessing of Christ because of the cross. Isn't that wonderful? And so they deceive the Father. And the Father gives the blessing to Jacob. Remember I said Jake, uh, Esau was a, was a hunter? Not a person to get on the wrong side of. And so he's so mad, he wants to kill Jacob. And so they then, basically the mother then makes a, a way for Jacob to get away. And he lives with his father Laban. Remember that story? Now here's the point, when he lives with Laban, you know Laban, in an interesting life, you always meet someone who outdoes you. Jacob's a deceiver, and he meets someone who's a greater deceiver than him. And you may remember the story, that he falls in love with Rachel. He loves Rachel. And he says, I will do anything for Rachel. I love her so much, I'll do anything for her. Now, this kind of totally outweighs any kind of Milton Booms, or any kind of Jane Austen story, really. Because you think, you know, when you think about it, ladies, your heart kind of melts when you think about this, because... The Bible says he worked seven years, seven years without pay just because he wants to win Rachel. Now, I only think that's pretty, that's romantic. That's the height of romance, isn't it? He worked seven years, and he says those seven years, he was so in love that he says, he says, if seven years went as nothing. That's a, I mean, he thinks seven years is a long time. Seven years he worked to, to win this woman's heart, if you like. Now, Comes to the kind of the wedding night, if you like. Now, here's the problem that in those days you never saw your bride until the next morning. <laughs> okay? And they parties, sometimes they parties in those days when they had wedding parties, they, they lasted up to 30 days, parties. So you can imagine partying for 30 days. And so he wakes up next morning, and to his horror, he suddenly finds out he's married Leah. You think, he's worked seven years for Rachel, wakes up next morning and suddenly finds he's got Leah. And the word Leah means weary-eyed or tired. In other words, she wasn't probably, as the Bible defines, not the, the best-looking girl around, if you like, if I can be kind of polite about that. And so it's to his horror, he wants Rachel, 
but he ends up with Leah. And he's kind of shocked. But I think in the midst of that, there's an incredible reverence. Because here now is his four, the Humpty Dumpty four. Begin with, he seems to have his whole life together. He's got the girl, as he thinks, he's got the girl of his dreams. He's got a job. He's got everything going his way. And suddenly in a moment, everything falls apart. Now instead of having the girl of his dreams, everything's totally falling apart. So the Rachel, he has Leah. And I think there's an incredible truth in that in life. See, sometimes we want a kind of Rachel. We want to have the destiny and purpose of God, and we want a Rachel. And I found sometimes, at times in life, instead of giving us a Rachel, God gives us a Leah. The ministry we kind of always wanted never seems to work out, and we find ourselves having a ministry to begin with that we didn't really want. A job that we really wanted, a career we really wanted, didn't kind of work out. And we got the job that we didn't really want. We find ourselves in a situation that really, the truth in life is we never really wanted to find ourselves in that situation. We wanted a Rachel. But we find ourselves with a Leah. We find ourselves in, in, in something that we really didn't want to find ourselves into. But you know what? Here's the amazing thing. Leah was a perfect gift for Jacob. Because there's one thing that God knew about Leah that nobody else knew about Rachel. You know what that was? Leah could have children. She could produce what Jacob needed to be produced. And sometimes God does things and we get angry and mad that he's brought this Leah when we wanted a Rachel. We're angry and mad of why we find ourselves in that situation. Of why we've been brought into this. We wanted a Rachel somewhere. We've got this Leah and we get mad with God. Why he allowed it? Why that happened? But here's the amazing thing. God knows something often that we don't know about. God knew that Leah was productive. Leah, every nine months, had babies. So that the lineage, if you like, could carry on. So in, in the natural wisdom, something happened which didn't seem very good, but actually it was the most amazing and awesome thing that could have ever happened to Jacob. When you look at, through that story... And I think God often works that. We get something that doesn't actually look beautiful to begin with. Something that doesn't look polished. Outwardly, it may not look even that great. Outwardly, it looks just a massive disappointment. But God knows something that we don't know. God is working in a way that we don't realize or recognize. That we are after a Rachel, God gives us a Leah. But in the midst of that, God produces something in that situation we could never produce any other way. I can look back in all honestly over different times in my life. Found myself into situations that I wished I wasn't in. But I can look back and see those situations, God produced something in me that could never have been produced any other way. I could never have produced some of those things in my life had I not had a kind of Lear experience or a, a Lear situation. Amen? You think about what kind of Lear 
produced. See, labor meant it for evil, but I'm only glad God turned it out for good. Look what Leah produced. The Bible says the first thing she produced was, was, a, was a Judah, which means what? Praise. Often in your Leah situation, you know one thing you begin to learn? You begin to learn to praise God, not for just what he does, but for who he is. Amen. And I can look back on those Leah situations and I can look. That's where I first learned to really praise. That's when I really learned to praise God for who he was, not necessarily for what he does for me. Think of the other name. There's one that we kind of, this is a blessing to us. Levi. Leah produced a Levi. And Levi was the, was the, priestly, was the priestly line. I found through Leah's situations, you begin to develop intimacy with God. Because he throws you on God. You begin to rely on God more than any other time. And you begin to develop a relationship with him. It's often out of the pressure, out of the the, the disappointments and the difficulties of life, that we begin to grow in our relationship with God. Is that right? Don't we grow more in the Leah times than in the Rachel times, if you like? That's where we grow. That's where we, we produce things. Another one was Reuben, which means behold a son. Aren't those Leah moments, moments when you really behold Jesus? Almost your eyes are open to to aspects, to certain parts of Jesus' character that you would never see at any other time unless you had Leah moments. I think you discover more about the grace of Jesus than any other time. You discover his strength. I think you discover something of his beauty. Something of his compassion. Something you behold about Jesus that is found in that. And I think God is producing something amazingly that could not be produced any other time unless we had those Leah moments. The things that we didn't want, God allows us to come through. Because he can see something that can be produced in us no other way except through a Leah moment. Now, the good news, if I can put it that way, is eventually he marries Rachel. And he has two sons through Rachel, if you remember. He has Joseph, which actually means double blessing. Isn't that awesome? You'll find that. That when you kind of come through your Leah moments, and then you come into the Rachel moments, the three God begins to bring double blessing. Amen? You keep your heart right. You keep your attitude right. And it's in the midst of that God begins to bring incredible blessing into your life. Benjamin was the other son, which means son at my right hand, which speaks of authority and anointing. I think the way that we begin to gain authority is when we come to those Leah moments, our hearts right, our attitudes right, and through that, God begins to increase the anointing and it begins to increase authority in our life. Can you say amen? Anyway, let's go down to, to Genesis, uh, the scripture we looked at, Genesis 32. And so we see this guy, he's gone through this incredible, if you like, Humpty Dumpty moments. Everything's fallen apart in his life. He's had to leave Laban now. He's run away. He's taken all his family. And when they've left, they've run from Laban. And now in a moment, he's going to meet his brother. 
And he knows the last time he saw his brother, his brother wanted to, you know, deal with him, shall we say. Give him the, a, give him a kind of, a spiritual hug around his neck, kind of thing. But that's the kind of atmosphere he was in. And look what it says in verse 32 of, sorry, verse 22 of Genesis 32. It says that, And he rose that night and took his two wives with his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And that word Jacob means to empty or to pour forth. Why ultimately do we go through those Lear moments? I think one of the reasons is that in those moments we learn to empty ourselves. Sometimes we, we can be we can we can have hindrances and things in us that hold God back. And God brings us to a point where we learn the power of emptying ourselves. Emptying ourselves of the things in us that shouldn't be there. And suddenly, we find himself, he's alone. He's alone in his bewilderment. Ever been in a place where you just feel so bewildered by what's going on? And you're alone in that bewilderment. But here's the wonderful thing in this moment. He's alone with God. And often the answer to those Leah moments, the answer to those moments where, where we feel we've had this fall, we can't seem to get back to what we were, is we need to get alone with God. We need to, because it's only by being alone with God that we really begin to see the change that we need. We learn to come to a point, because what, what, God is, what is God bringing you to? Ultimately speaking, in all this, God's bringing you to a point of dependency. Because the biggest struggle we have is to learn to be dependent on God. And that's the place God wants you. That's the point when amazing things happen in your life, when you come to a point of true dependency on God, where all the other things you've been relying on suddenly are kicked away. Have you had that experience those things that you've been relying on and depending on, the false structures, the false things that we lean on, God slowly begins to kick them out from underneath us. And in those Lear moments, those false reliances, those false dependencies are removed from us, so we learn the power of dependency. And in the power of dependency, God always shows up, amen? And that's what he's been doing all along. Removing all the, the things that we relied on and trusted in are suddenly taken from us. And all we have to trust is God. And how many realize that's probably the greatest place you can ever be? In other words, our importunities are God's opportunities. You can never receive a miracle until you need a miracle. Is that right? And look what happens in this place right there. The Bible says he begins to, in verse 24, because I, I define this as the breaking, really, of Jacob, the breaking of him. It's in 24 that he wrestles. Some, someone said this, you wrestle with men, it gets you bitter. You wrestle with God, you get better. Amen. And that word there, wrestle, actually means to, to, to reduce to find powder. And almost the implications are that God gets all the lumps out. It's a picture of changing from one state into a, another state. In other words, for God to rebuild us, 
for God to put us back together, there has to be a breaking process. Things have to be reduced in us to find powder. All the negativity that often we can so easily build our lives on. And that negativity, if you like, through experiences and disappointments in life. We're to see God truly moving us. God has to reduce it. God has to remove it from us. He reduces the image of a loser to create an image of a winner. He wants to reduce an image of a compromiser to create a champion. And so he says, I'm going to get you in the ring and I'm going to wrestle with you and break those things out of your life. And notice he says, he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. In other words, when God's working on you, don't pull away. Don't sort of run from it. Don't sort of pull away from that. Let God work his full work in you. Until the breaking of the day. Until he has touched you. Until he has changed your name. Until he's changed your character. Stay in there until God gets the carnality out. Until he gets that hurt out. Until he drives that apathy out. Until he deals with that attitude inside you. Until the breaking of the day and you rise up with a new experience and a new encounter with God. Look there at verse 26. He said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now the word really there for blessing means unconditional favor. Here's the thing we need to see. The things never really are going to turn. We're never, things in our lives are never going to really turn around until the blessing of God and the favor of God comes in on that situation. Isn't that right? You'll be amazed what the blessings and the unconditional favor of God can work in your life. And he realizes that. He says, God, I don't want to be the person I was before. I don't want to carry on as I was before. I want to be different. I want to see my life be turned around. But it can't happen unless you bless me. And he has this restless persistence, you like. He's not going to give up until he comes into the fullness of what God has for him. There's a persistence there. I think sometimes in life when we go through difficulties, we go through challenges, we can pull back. We can give up too quickly. And sometimes there's something about persevering and pressing on until the breakthrough comes. Amen. In fact, I felt it was a word for someone to say. Keep going. God is going to bring your breakthrough. If you will persist, if you will press on through, the breakthrough is going to come. Amen. Now, and this is what God says to him, which is kind of a weird thing when you think about it. He says, what's your name? How many would think that God would know your name? Is that right? You know, like God said, oh, by the way, who are you? What's your name? How many would know God knows what his name is? But God wants him to be honest with him. He says, what's your name? Remember I said your name reflects who you are, your character, your label of life, if you like. And he says, and he, and he says, God, he says God, my name's Jacob. I'm a person who's always wanted preeminence in my life. I've been a deceiver. I've been a supplanter all my life. And this is how I honestly really am. 
And that's what God wanted to bring him to, a place where he got honest with God. And says, God, all my life, I've been trying to deceive. I've been trying to supplant. I've been wanting preeminence. And I realized I don't want that anymore in my life. And he got honest with God. I wonder today, sometimes we can have labels on us. Labels that we say, God, I really want that label changed. I don't want that label over my life anymore. I want to be different. I want to be changed. And the moment Jacob got honest with God, the Bible says God changed his name. And the Bible says he changed his name from Jacob and gave him the name Israel, which means a prince with God. Not a Sid, but a prince with God. (laughs) I love that. From a manipulator, God says from now on, You're going to be a prince. You're going to get a character change. I'm going to totally change your life. How many realize that God saw that in Jacob right from the beginning? And the thing I love about this story is this, is that God sees things in us that we can never see about ourselves. Isn't that right? God sees potential in you that nobody else can see. I think of Peter. God, Jesus changed his name. He was called Simon, which means a weed, a reed. Shaky reed, not weed, reed. He, he was a, not a weed, he was a reed. Uh, a shaky reed. And he says, no longer are you going to be called Simon, a shaky reed. He wasn't smoking weed, he was on a reed. He was a reed. So no longer will you be, Peter, no longer will you be Simon, it's a reed. But you're going to be called Peter, which means a rock. Because everybody sees in you a person who just kind of shouts his mouth off, a person who, gets, who always puts his foot in, a person who messes up and makes incredible stupid decisions and mistakes. I see beyond that, I see you are a person who's a rock. And Jesus sees things in you that nobody else can see. Isn't that wonderful? He sees potential. He sees ability. He sees things in you that nobody else can see. And part of the process that he brings you through are there to bring out the potential in you, to bring out all the abilities, to bring out all the gifts, all that God's pour in you. He brings you through these lear experiences so you can begin to rise and fulfill the potential that God's pour in your life. Can you say amen? Now, remember I said that early on in the story, it says that God hit him in, 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 his, in his hip. And the Bible says he walked from that point on, he had a limp. He had a limp in his life because God touched the socket. He had a limp. And here's the thing I love about Jacob, really. He had a limp, but the limp did not have him. And I think in life, some of the the greatest people in the Bible, if you like, had a limp. Moses had a stutter. Paul, we're told, had some thorn. And the people often who've made some of the greatest accomplishments in life, people who've really done amazing things for God, often live with heartaches. They live with sorrows. They live with disappointments. But they refuse to allow their limp to have them. People can have some weakness, some failure, some limp that has controlled their decision-making, limits their life. We can have a limp, but never allow the limp to have you. I just think of some people. I think of Jackie Pullinger, for example. 
She's done amazing work in Hong Kong. Just incredible things. Have you ever read her story? She had an incredible limb. She had no education. No missionary society would back her. Because they said, you've not got the right education. She never really had any experience about Hong Kong. And she had a limp, if you like. But she had a burning passion in her heart to go to Hong Kong. And without any support, without any, if you like, natural things there, she had a limp, but she never allowed the limp to have her. Ever read Johnny Erickson? If you ever read about the story of Johnny Erickson? Dies into a pool, breaks and basically breaks her neck. Break, and she's paralyzed literally from her face down. You read her story. She paints with her mouth. Her testimony has gone all over the world. Thousands thousands of people have been impacted by that woman's life. She had a limp. But the limp never had her. I think of some of the young people's favorite leader. Bethany Hamilton. She was the surfer who had a shark attack and lost her arm. And now she's won world championships. And her testimony goes throughout the world. She shares how God has helped her. God has done amazing things. In fact, they've made a film about her life. What's it called? Soul Surfer, yeah. Made a, a, a film about her life, which has reached millions of people. She had a limp. But the limp never had her. Somebody else said, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he was born. Remember the Philidomite situation? And he was born without any arms or any legs. It's, and he, if you read, he's actually, you can, he's the most incredible speaker I've ever heard. He's an amazing speaker. And he's, you, know what he, you know what he speaks about, what his main thing is? He's hope. That's what he preaches on all the time, hope, hope, hope. And here's this guy with no arms, no legs, and he preaches the most incredible sermons about hope. He's written books. I saw a, f- a video of him just a few months ago. He actually swims. How he does I do not? He swims with no arms. He swims. It's, it's just incredible. He's married now. He's got children. It's an absolutely amazing story. He had a limp, but the limp never had him. And so what I'm saying sometimes things happen that, that, that the enemy wants to limit your life. But the very thing the enemy wants to limit your life can be the very thing that causes you to be powerful and mighty in life. Can you say amen? Have a limp. But the limp doesn't have you. Amen. So let me close, really bring this to kind of London, if you like. Here's the point. The whole key to this, I said before, is blessing. So the one thing he says is, God, give me your blessing. I want you to see what he did with the blessing. It's all very well to have the blessing, but what do you do with the blessing that you have? Let me first of all just tell you a little bit about what blessing is. I think sometimes we don't understand the power of blessing. You know, we say, how are you? I'm fine. God bless you. You know, we say, God bless you. You know, good to see you. God bless you. And we often just say there's a formula, really. I don't think we understand how powerful a blessing is. It has the power to, to turn your life around. The actual Hebrew word for blessing there means barak. And I love what it means, this word. It means to speak the intentions of God. That's what the blessing means. It means to speak the intentions of God. In other words, that when a blessing is spoken over someone's life, it's describing the way that God sees them. I think I shared before, I used to have this 
guy when we were in our first church. He was a, I always remember he was a South African guy. And he just loved to speak blessing. He'd always phone me up and go, Hello, John, mighty man of God. Every time he said that, every time he'd phone me. And I kind of always felt good when he said that. It kind of made me feel good. Instead of saying, you know, you idiot. He was like, you mighty man of God. And that kind of, something about that that gives you confidence for the day. And, and, I, and he's almost, in a sense, speaking God's intentions over my life. And I think true blessing spoken over someone or something is describing the way God sees them. When you say, may the, when you say, may the Lord bless you, you're saying, may God grant you all the intent, all his attentions for you. May God's full expectations in your life be fulfilled. Isn't that awesome? What an amazing thing. That when you speak a blessing over someone's life, you say, may God's full expectations be fulfilled in your life. Go to Genesis 47, verse 7. I want to see what if you like, Jacob did with, with the blessing. He didn't just use it to sort of fulfill his own ends, his own desires. It says at the end of it, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, I'll come to that in a moment. So the word blessing means to speak God's intentions. Anybody know God's intentions are good? God says, for the purpose they have for you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and to give you a future. Good. good. God's intentions are good. And when we declare God's intentions, we release his ability to change things from what they are into his desired plan. That's what we're saying. Lord, bless me. Let your full intentions be released in my life so you can take me from where I am to where I'm meant to be. Think about blessing is this. You're not praying the problem, you're praying the solution. You know, a lot of stuff that we pray about, often we pray the problem. We tell God the problem as if he doesn't know the problem. And the powerful thing about, about blessing is this. You're not praying the problem, you're praying the solution. You're praying for God's intentions to be fully released in that person's life. Let me show you another scripture. Now, don't forget that Genesis one, but Proverbs 28. I love this Proverbs is full of these amazing verses about blessing, but Proverbs 28, verse 20. This is a great verse. A faithful man, love this, will abound with blessing. It means a man of faith will be full of blessings. Blessings not to hold for themselves, but blessings to kind of give away. I often describe this by blessing. It's something that God gives you as a gift. And you can either give it or you can withhold it. And God wants you not just to receive blessing, but to what? Release blessing. Peter says, when anybody speaks deceitful about you, you know what you do? Get mad at them. Get angry at them. One who think brought on their shoulders, if you like. Bible says, when anyone speaks resentful about you, respond back. Bless them. Jesus says, when your enemies rise up against you, 
You know, you deal with enemies. What do you do? You bless them. You speak God's intentions for their life. Why? You turn around a curse and you make it into a blessing. And there's one title of a book I thought was amazing. It's called Born to Be a Blessing. And so we live our life. Very quickly, turn to Proverbs 11:26 because this is really the, the fullness of it. Proverbs 11:26 says this. The, po- the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on him of head of him who seals it. In other words, you live a lifestyle of, of a blessing. You, you seek in every area of your life to be a blessing. Everything about you, through the words that you speak, through the way you live your life, everything is geared to be a ble- being a blessing to someone else. You look for every possible means to bless someone. Maybe just through words of compliment. Maybe through words of encouragement. It may be through gifts. In some way, you live your whole life with the intention of how can I be a blessing? And I think through that kind of lifestyle, God begins to impact and change. And you get a hold of this. What did he do with his blessing? The first thing he did was he blessed his children. You see right there that Joseph brings all his children and he blesses all his children. I think if you're a parent today, one of the greatest things you can do is begin to speak God's intentions and God's blessings on your children. One thing we've done every year, we do every year at Christmas, we get all the girls together and we lay hands on them and we bless them every year. And we speak God's intentions on their life for that coming year. And there's something about taking your children and speak, you know, what, what do we do dedications for? Dedications really ultimately are speaking a blessing on that baby. That the blessings of God will be on that baby's life throughout his life. And I would encourage you to, 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 as parents to, to speak a blessing on their life. Not only on your own children, but look to be a blessing to a future generation. A fatherless generation needs a father's blessing. I, I, can't, I think it was a few years ago. I, I think a few years ago. I think we did it. I think, I think it was in Wales we did it. And I asked people to come forward often in that meeting. because I spoke about the blessing of God. And I said, if you've never received a father's blessing, because people often have lived their life and they've never had a father bless them. Never had a father speak God's intentions over their life. Never had a father saying, come on, you can make it, you can do it. And so I said, if anyone has never really received a father's blessing, come, we're going to pray a blessing. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing. We had literally people queuing up. Isn't that right? We had people literally queuing up so we could speak a father's blessing over them. A broken generation needs a father's blessing. And I'd encourage you to do that, to, to look for means and ways that you can bless an up-and-coming generation. Let me close with this. Think about this. Jacob, sorry, yeah, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. You feel about that? Pharaoh was an evil taskmaster, ungodly, idol worshipper. And the Bible says 
Jacob blessed Pharaoh. We're living with people who are broken and hurting. You know what they think we're, you know what they, you know the way, you know how they think we're going to react to them? They think we're going to condemn them. They think we're going to accuse them. They think we're going to criticize them. But something changes in someone's life when you begin to want to bless them. I think people who are away from God, and you begin to seek to bless them in some way, it's amazing the impact that that can have on their life. You know, last week, we go in the prisons quite a lot, and last week I was in the prisons, and I thought it was so amazing that people who work there, they do a great job, and they're there just wanting to bless all the prisoners. They're just speaking amazing things over their life, and they're loving them, they're serving them, they're being a blessing to them. They're not criticizing them or judging them. They're just seeking to be a blessing to them. And there's something about that that changes a whole generation. The Bible says that we've been blessed, is that right? With all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. You may not feel it, but you're blessed. And the idea is that we, we are blessed so that we can be what? A blessing. So in your workplace, in your homes, in, wherever you are, ask God, God, really, really, how can I bless people around me? How can I be a blessing to them? And you'll find amazing creative ways that God will use you to be a blessing. And when you use that blessing, people will never forget that. They'll never ever forget it. They really won't. That always stops with them. They tend to forget when they're judged or when they're criticized, but they never forget when they're blessed. And so this morning, we want to say, Lord, make me a blesser. Help me to live my life with a lifestyle, with an attitude, with... With, with a way of life that's full of blessing. Maybe you've had a Leah moment. <laughs> Maybe you're going through a Leah moment. I've got good news for you. You're about to come into a Rachel. Amen. Let's just stand, shall we? Let's come before the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Let me think what, what, what an amazing life Jacob had. Went through all kinds of ups and downs, all kinds of humpty dumpty kind of moments. But I'm so glad that he, he ended his life, if you like, full of blessing. He went through a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of disappointments, a lot of pain. But ultimately, he got to the place that God always intended him to get to. You know, you think of the name Israel. Generations of generations, thousands upon generations have been blessed through his life. Amen. Is that right? A whole nation really came out of his, came out of him. And God's putting dreams and all kinds of stuff in you. And he just wants you to let it out. But make this decision this one. Say, Lord, today, I want to be a blessing. I just give my life today, work every purpose in my life with the sole aim and the sole goal that my life could be a blessing today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe this morning you're going through a bit of a, a Leah moment and 
things didn't come the way you thought they'd come, the moments, the situation happened in a way. You wanted a Rachel, but instead you got a kind of Leah. But I just want you to know this morning that God is working behind the scenes. Even in your Leah moments, God is doing something amazing and something awesome that maybe you can't perceive or see yet, but God's birthing something in you. So just receive that today from the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you today that you are the blesser. And Lord, as you bless us, you bless us so that we can be a blessing. Thank you that Jesus took our curse so that we might receive the blessings of Abraham. And Lord, I pray for every person here this morning that might be going through those Leah moments. Might be going through those moments of things not maybe being the way they thought or intended them to be. But we believe right now you're producing something amazing, something incredible, something awesome. And Lord, I just bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord grant you great peace. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord grant you his love, his direction, and his purposes. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delight Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanteelam.co.uk. 